In this episode of Tech Transformation, we're continuing our deep dive into the role that security plays in today's retail and consumer goods environments. This is part three of our three-part series that's sponsored by Microsoft. And we're once again talking with Jim Eckert, Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft. We're talking about the role of security in the supply chain, including the different challenges and risks, and just what motivates cyber attackers. We're also digging into what retailers can do to protect themselves and how accountability for operational security is changing. Keep listening to learn more on Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RAS News, where we explore the innovative tech strategies and trends in retail and consumer goods. I'm Lisa Johnson, Senior Editor at CGT, and in this episode, I'm talking with Jim Eckert, Chief Security Advisor for Microsoft. Jim's been talking with me as part of a three-part series. We're exploring the role that security plays in today's changing retail and consumer goods landscape. If you've missed the first two episodes, I encourage you to go watch or listen to them anywhere you can find Tech Transformation podcasts and videos. So Jim, welcome back. It's great to continue this conversation. Thanks, Lisa. This is an area of particular concern for me, and I look forward to talking with you about it. You know, we're finding it's really hard to have a conversation today about retail and consumer goods without talking about the supply chain. So I know it's definitely going to be of interest to our audience as well. So over the past two years, there's been a lot of supply chain disruption that's affected the food industry, energy, really any industry that you can think of. So let's set the stage by talking about some of the current threats to the supply chain. Um, And we're going to keep in mind that, you know, the challenges and threats are going to vary based on whether we're addressing the supply side or the demand side. And I know that's something that you're going to speak to. Yeah. And so let's start out with the demand side first. So the people who are trying to get something out of the supply chain. Um, to get things out of the supply chain, I mean, you fundamentally need to be able to access systems of operation and systems of revenue. And so we need to make sure that those are reliable. And so um, when we think about some of the primary threats to that, it, it's really been some of the purveyors of human operated ransomware. And to be sure, boards of directors across the board are asking about how organizations are protecting themselves against human operated ransomware. Um, and so we've seen, you know, the results of that. We've seen some of the payouts on, on human operated ransomware. But who's actually doing this? It, it's people who are actually cyber criminals. So generally not nation state, generally cyber criminals, and they're doing it for a big payout. And so when we look at some Microsoft research that we've done over the past year, we have actually seen the number of encounters that we've seen between our EDR solutions and actually ransomware types of software, it it has grown to about 100 million uh, encounters. And so it's growing really rapidly. And also in Microsoft research, what we have seen is, is there a prevalence of human operated ransomware, which is disrupting the the demand side of the supply chain? Um, uh, Is it predominantly disrupting some, some industry segments more than others? And the answer is no. It's going fairly equally, but for consumer and retail goods comes in at about 13% of all the incidents that we've seen are impacting consumer and retail goods. And so from that front end perspective, it's cyber criminals. Uh, We're particularly concerned about human operated ransomware because of the damage that it can do. And and frankly, when you think about it, Lisa, is uh, we're not seeing enough, a high enough number of enforcement actions or actually catching the bad guy, combined with the fact that some organizations are paying out, 
And so we really expect that to just continue to drive the incidence of human-operated ransomware on the demand side of supply chains. Okay, so that's really interesting. So let's move now into the supply side. How is what are the things looking like from there? Yeah, so from the supply side, I mean, there, there's probably a variety of actors and a variety of motivations. Uh, so, so first off, what is the supply side? Let's talk about operational technology, manufacturing, warehousing, distribution, and the like. And so I think what we all know about that area is that it's traditionally been underserved by security, period. We also know that it tends to be dominated by older equipment, and so patching is is an issue. And we'll talk about some of the other issues that exist in that environment in in, in a little bit, I think. But but fundamentally, there's a number of different actors, whether it's uh, nation-state actors who are doing that for uh, political or economic reasons. uh, We're seeing some of that. Uh, We're also seeing operational technology environments that are attacked by common, ordinary cyber criminals because since it is more difficult to secure, since it's been underserved from a security perspective, it tends to be an easier way in to come into the industrial environment, weasel your way into the IT environment. So it can be a pretty easy attack surface as well. And in fact, um, you know, according to some statistics that we've gotten, we've actually seen a 10x increase since uh, in, in the past two years in the number of attacks that we're seeing on the operational technology environment as well. And so that's starting to rise in levels of concern for, for boards of directors as well. And, you know, it's really interesting. And it's really relating to a lot of what we've been talking about in the previous conversations and about how things are changing with the workforce and, and, and the equipment and, and what the new expectations are. Um, so, you know, we talk a lot about disruption, um, but not nearly as much about the risks. So can you tell, you know, what are some of the motivation behind these threats? Okay, so Lisa, what I start out talking about is the demand side of the supply chain. So how do people actually interact with your organization, systems of operation and systems of revenue? And so, so again, I mean, there's a variety of threat actors that could be there. They could be nation states uh, and they could have you know, political or economic uh, types of motivations. But what we're most commonly seeing is cyber attackers who may actually find refuge in some areas of the world where uh, jurisdictional issues actually protect them. But they're actually coming after you because you have deep pockets. And so uh, a common technique that they're using and we view as on the rise is human-operated ransomware. And human-operated ransomware is particularly interesting. It's so interesting, and we're actually so concerned about it from Microsoft's perspective that we've put together a a mitigation project plan for human-operated ransomware that will help organizations be more prepared to resist cyber attackers in the event that that you become a target. And it really has three sections to it. Um, One of them is preventing the attacker from getting into your environment in the first place. But we know that that's not always possible. So the, the next step is um, trying to prevent or make more difficult their movement throughout your environment. And then the third big step is really making sure that we protect the asset or protect the workload. And so those are some of the steps that I think I'd like to walk the audience through. Um, yeah, that sounds great. You know, let's let's start out. Let's start with talking about entering the environment. What's the first thing you need to know? Yeah, so the first thing you need to know is uh, with regard to human-operated ransomware, there's nothing particularly new or innovative or cutting edge about entering the environment because the same old techniques are still working pretty darn well. Uh, and so 
uh, one of the first things organizations should do is make sure that you have an appropriate sandboxing solution in place. So make sure that you're scanning URLs, you're scanning attachments, you're exploding those and preventing those from arriving in the environment. Um, that, that's a standard of care now, and you, you, you just need to have that in place. That is not 100% foolproof, and so the next thing that you need to be sure you're doing is uh, having an appropriate endpoint EDR solution in place because some of your old-school virus scanning is no longer relevant in this space, and so if we get into your environment through a phishing campaign, the next thing we're going to do is exploit your endpoint, so it's good to have uh, a, a, a good EDR solution. And then last but not least, and there's lots of things you could do, but last but not least, uh, really important that we're protecting identities. And so from Microsoft's perspective, we still observe across organizations that they have not very effectively rolled out multi-factor authentication, even though we understand multi-factor authentication is about 98 to 99% effective at preventing identity-based attacks. And so, again, I think we'd recognize that all three of those things that I just said are Really nothing new. I mean, we've been suffering from those for years upon years, and so we need organizations to take action to prevent entering your environment. Okay, sure. So you just I just want to recap for our audience. So you said three things, sandboxing, endpoint protection, and, of course, we were talking about identity. Okay, so let's talk about moving within the environment. Yeah, so I, I think we all understand how the cyber attack kill chain works is once I get a foothold in the environment and once I get a compromised machine, I'm going to go after credential escalation, uh, privilege escalation. I'm going to try and move around in the environment and map out that environment and also lay low and slow and clean up after myself. And so for that reason, there's two big areas. Again, there's lots of things you can do in this space, but there's two big areas that can present, present big speed bumps to the cyber attacker moving throughout your environment. One of them is how you manage privileged identity and privileged access management. Again, this has been an area of struggle for organizations. And so Microsoft's approach, and this is how Microsoft protects Microsoft as well, is from a privileged identity perspective, really having just-in-time access and no standing privileges. And so really moving through workloads that actually temporarily get you uh, privileged identities and then having those privileges and those entitlements go away so that you actually have the effect of not really having privileged identities. You have privileged identities for a short period of time while the work is being done. And then the second thing, of course, is another area of struggle for organizations is doing good vulnerability management across the entire infrastructure stack, across the entirety of your increasingly complex and increasingly distributed IT environment. So clearly, privileged identity management uh, is one way and then dealing with vulnerability management uh, in a much more uh, sustainable and, and, frankly, rapid fashion is important as well. Okay, and so, okay, so then that moves us into the third and last point, and that's talking about protecting the assets. So what can you tell us about and, that? And from, from this perspective, I'll just go to the bad consequence of falling victim to human-operated ransomware because, again, they're trying to take control not just of some random files, they're trying to take control of systems of operations, systems of revenue, so that you're forced to pay a very, very large ransom. And we've seen a number of cases with that without me stating who the victims have been. What we've also seen, though, is that the cyber attackers will not only go after your applications, they'll go after the backups that you would use to recover from a ransomware situation as well. So again, there's lots of things in this space that you could do. 
it's incredibly important that organizations go out and they have immutable backups of not just their databases, of virtual machines, everything that that constitutes these systems is have immutable backups that cannot be sabotaged in the same way that those original systems might have been sabotaged. And in addition to that is making sure that you're practicing the reconstruction of those systems because it's been our view, it's been my personal view that organizations tend to leave good disaster recovery exercises and practices uh, till the end or if they have enough time after all of the other work is done. And so it's really important that we know how to restore our systems. So we know, one, you know, one of the things that we've seen happen quite often during, you know, the past few years is that a lot of roles are changing, right? A lot of responsibilities are changing and what um, these roles might look like have shifted. So in terms of securing uh, the operational environment, are there any trends that you can speak to about who's now accountable for that? Yeah. And so when we get into the operational environment, and let's call that, you know, something that feels like the manufacturing environment, uh, the, the trends are tending toward the CISO is becoming responsible for that from a heritage of it used to be plant managers that were responsible for the security of the manufacturing environment because the plant managers are concerned with a lot of different things besides security. Security was not done real well. And so we're starting to see boards of directors and executive lead teams who are starting to hold CISOs more accountable for what's going on in the operational technology environment. And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because uh, these leaders and these overseers want one throat to choke and they want it to be the person who is thinking about security all day, every day, regardless of whose environment it's in. And one of the things that I think will help us in achieving that trend of CISOs becoming responsible for the OT environment is that CISOs really realizing and taking a realistic look at what they can do to the operational environment. And so, I just want to rattle through six things that I think that we we think about in the operational environment because you can't go and throw an entire security program at this and throw IT type of discipline at the OT environment. They're just very different. And so if I could say that there's six things that leaders should be looking at, and I'll be quick, is one of them is like a a punch list. What's that? This is going to be a punch list. It's going to be a punch list. Uh, quick and dirty. Perfect. Um, asset inventory. So do we understand the assets on the shop floor that need to be protected? Uh, Microsoft has some capabilities that can help you go do asset discovery that, that can make that job a bit easier. We've always known we, we need to be doing good vulnerability management on the shop floor, yet we understand there's some limitations to how good we can be at that. So accept that reality, do what you can, and move on. Similarly, Identity falls into that same bucket is many times we have local authentication. Sometimes we have authentication against Active Directory, uh, but it's really important that we improve our identity practices, use all the practices that we know, complex passwords, no shared passwords, change the default passwords. There's some basic things that you can do, but we know there's limitations to how good you can do that. And so we move on to the next thing, which is network segmentation. I talked about the OT networks being an easy way to get into the IT networks. So it's really important that we do network segmentation is the OT network should be separate from the IT network so that they can't harm one another. Um, So very important. Uh, Second to last is remote access. What we observe frequently is that uh, suppliers of process automation equipment like Rockwell, ABB and the like, they want to have clear network access into 
their equipment so that they can easily go in and troubleshoot in the middle of the night. Well, uh, that tends to be unfiltered internet access into your shop floor. And so we need to make sure that we're looking at remote access protocols and policies for getting into your environment. And then last but not least is because we know that it's so difficult to secure the OT environment, we need to be doing appropriate threat monitoring of what's going on across all of those networks and feeding that into your SIM and your security operations center. Uh, and that's how you make the connection with the CISO or the security leader becoming uh, responsible for operational technology as well. Great. Well, I, I love that you're ending this series on that strong uh, list of best practices for our audience. Um, you know, I can't think of a better way to end this. So, Jim, thank you so much for talking with me uh, on Tech Transformation. It's been an incredibly enlightening conversation. Thanks, Lisa. It's been my pleasure, and uh, I, I hope this is helpful to everybody that listens to it. If you missed the first two episodes, be sure to check them out to learn more about some of today's most important concerns when it comes to security in retail and consumer goods. Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit consumergoods.com and risnews.com to sign up for our newsletters.